my life is so painful now that changing is actually going to be easier than keeping this shit going. Oh, there's a, a favorite quote of mine. When the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change, Nailed it. then you will change. That's it, man. And I hit that point. I hit that point where I was like, I'm just sick of this shit. I'm so over it. This is so stupid. This is holding me back on so many levels. Energy-wise, emotional availability with my wife, with my clients, intimacy in my marriage. Like all these things that a lot of men are experiencing and don't want to talk about, I was like there. And it wasn't a good place to be. Welcome to Modern Happiness, where we believe happiness is a choice. Our goal is to share how we and our high-performing guests choose happiness, covering topics such as fitness, mindset, relationships, business, and much more in today's world. Here are your hosts, Matt Mahalik and Taylor Sleaford. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Modern Happiness. We are at the Brute Force headquarters here with a super special guest, very insightful guy, Matt, introduce him. Yeah, we are so happy to have Colby Nepp here. He is, he calls himself the men's health coach, which I think is very accurate. He's the founder of 360 Thrive. He's put 10 years of experience of not just, you know, maybe when you think of health coach, a typical health coach, but really getting down to behavioral changes, psychological changes, and just changing your habits so that you can live a healthy life forever. And most importantly, he's a husband and a father of two. Oh, man. Colby right. Nepp, welcome to <laughs> Modern you, Happiness. Thank you, man. Uh, this is really cool. I got to say, um, obviously, just meeting you today, it's a real pleasure. been following you on Instagram for a few weeks leading up to this. But, Matt, man, I'm just so excited to see your path. You know, what a lot of people don't know is that we worked together in the past. You were helping me as I was just starting this path you know, mm-hmm. two or three years ago. Um, so it's just really cool to see this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling honored. I'm feeling excited. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Some, some people know. So like I've kind of left the photo video work, but, uh, when I was just head deep in the video stuff, uh, Colby was one of my like first real consistent client too. We made a bunch of videos together and, uh, I was checking out your website before this and just looking at, you still have some of those testimonial videos. I'm like, Oh yeah, these, these are pretty good. You did a good job, man. Sold a lot of coaching, man. Yeah. Let's go. That's awesome. (laughs) I appreciate it. That's why I did it. Oh man, this is awesome. We've already had so much great conversation, uh, today, but we're going to dive into some rapid fire, give our audience a little chance to get to know you Colby. So first question, where are you from and where do you live now? Man, Denver, Colorado, born and raised short hiatus in Morgantown, West Virginia, when I was uh, maybe 10 or 11. And then came back to Golden, Colorado, finished high school, uh, went to Colorado Mesa University. And uh, I'm here now, man, Wheat Ridge, Colorado. This, nice. is, this is where I call home. We're eyeing Boise for maybe a move in the next year or two. But, okay. uh, man, I'm a native. I, I love this place. That's a true native. You guys are like unicorns at this point. We are totally yeah. unicorns. Yeah. But you guys are all welcome here, man. Yeah, thank you. Just keep coming. Well, I, it, I've right? been here for two and a half years, and after two years, uh, I'm a native now. That's what I've decided. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's sensitive. Close. Close. Um, cool. <laughs> so uh, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, man, for fun. Um, you know, I, I really love uh, movement, but not – in any sort of specific domain. You know, I, I grew up playing sports. I played rugby for a long time. Um, I'm now it, totally hopelessly addicted to a sport called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, um, you know, I try to schedule my days around being able to train, uh, which is really good. But, man, learning, spending time with my boys is really important to me. They're both at an age where, um, you know, I, we can engage on a different level than just, like, changing butts and, like, you know, giving them food. So that's really cool. Uh, but coaching, man, like uh, doing personal training here at the gym, 
Um, I just love the one-on-one connection. Small conversations is where I think I thrive. And so between personal training and then one-on-one coaching online, doing nutrition work, and also small group coaching online, um, I really feel like I'm in my zone and I'm having the best impact. And I leave that work most of the time feeling really charged up, feeling awesome, as long as I'm taking care of the other stuff of like Mm. good healthy energy, you know, getting rest, stuff like that. Yeah, nice. Love that answer. I think we all have that in common, the coaching and having those good conversations. And that's why we're here. My man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like a perfect situation. Okay, what is your most used emoji? Oh, bro, prayer hands. Okay. Prayer hands. Just, nice. just is as, it? as an express, or is it two high fives? I, I was going to ask gonna, you that. Knew, yeah, yeah, you knew where I was going. You know, to me, man, it's uh, it's a sign of gratitude. It's a sign of uh, you know, huh. you know, expressing uh, thankfulness and expressing uh, expressing the the love. You know, so I, prayer hands for yeah, sure. I'm that, about it. Uh, if it's to my wife, it's a kissy face. Sure. The one that's kissing a heart or with yeah. the hearts all around the face? Both. All, 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 yeah. all, all the love. All the yes, love. and. Yeah. Yes, and. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's um, a good question. This is I, great. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. I, I, I do the same. I use the, like, the praise, the two hands up, like praise. To me, that's. In like the same manner. Is that the high five? The one that's like this. I thought that was a high five. I know you guys can't see us, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, two hands next to you. I thought that was praise. Yeah, like, oh. And then I thought oh, this I've was been, like prayer. I've been miscommunicating. But then someone recently prayer. said the one I thought was prayer is a high five, and that's why I ask. And, oh, son of Dude, God. the one that's eye roll that like just looks up, I for the longest time thought that was um, like, oh, like look what I said. Like, mm, you know, not like. I think you sent it to me once. And oh, I was yeah. like, you're rolling your eyes at me? What? Yeah, I was like, wait, that's not what I thought this was. Okay, moving on. Um, Love this question. What's your walk-up song? Oh, depends on my mood and the vibe. Uh, so I have this vision of competing in jiu-jitsu professionally. Oh, and there's a couple, couple songs. One is uh, Bad Motherfucker by Machine Gun Kelly and Kid Rock. You guys know this one? I don't think no, so. It's, it's have we had it's Machine Gun Kelly like, before? No. This is okay. the first it's like, it's, like, the, it's like the vibe I like when I'm competing. It's, yeah. like, it's aggressive, confident, arrogant, mm. you know can't lose but then man you know every you know day to day i'm pretty chill you yeah know, like reggae okay jam I thought bands. You were gonna say reggae yeah something that. like that that's like 90 percent of Dave Matthews? the vibe 100 yeah. percent dude let's go <laughs> Dave now Matthews, we're talking um ghost man <laughs> twiddle is another one never heard of twiddle never heard of twiddle no. another jam band no okay yeah so i mean walkout song though it's a, like game day competition it's aggressive it's it's confident it's yeah you know so i know there's rapid fire we always do this though so um but I, I want to ask you because I feel like you'd have some insight on this. Uh, I've heard like, you know, walk-up song. You don't, and I always think baseball, it's the sport I play, where it's like you don't want to be charged up and getting up to the plate like, ah! Yeah. Uh, you would rather just be zen and take some deep breaths. Yeah. So do you think that would, you know, what do you think about that? Would that affect your walk-up song? Oh, man, no. It, you know, it's like a, it's not an uh, over-excitement. Okay, gotcha. You know, it's not like an anxious, crazy energy. My very first. Sing it for us? It, I, it's too dirty for this show. I'll tell you that right now. You don't know. You don't know the words. Dirty we are. <laughs> yeah. We just met. <laughs> we just met. You don't know. Me. You haven't heard all the episodes. <laughs> you don't know me. Um, I actually don't know the words. Yeah. Uh, okay. the, the 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 tune is just like okay. upbeat. It's a little aggressive. Uh, yeah. And the way Machine Gun Kelly raps is like, just like I don't know, man. It's punchy. Boom. Mm. And then Kid Rock comes in. It's like, and that's so. Growing up in West Virginia, um, I loved professional wrestling. Huge fan. On my backyard, I would uh, in our trampoline, I would put on wrestling events with my friends. Nice. Pro wrestling and Kid Rock. And those are two things that really shaped my upbringing as a young man uh, in that culture. It's nice. a little different than, than most people's <clears throat> yeah. upbringing. So, uh, Love that. You no, know, no, no, man. Like my first jiu-jitsu competition felt a lot like my first rugby game where I was just freaked out. 
you know, adrenaline jump, uh, adrenaline dump and just anxiety through the roof. But I've done it enough now that I can kind of manage that and, and control and direct that energy. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk about emotions. I'm sure we'll get into that. But that's another way to be able to make sure you're calm and you're chill when you need to be. But also, you know, you can be violent and aggressive when you need to be as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I know what we're listening to on the way yeah. home when we leave. Definitely. My man. Cool. Um, awesome. Favorite book? Oh, Laws of Human Nature. Robert Greene. Robert Greene. So he wrote a book. I got first introduced to him. Uh, he wrote a book called The 48 Laws of Power. Have you heard okay, of Okay, I have heard of that one. It's really good. The 48 Laws of Power, he basically looks at themes from classical history, the Renaissance period, um, you know, the medieval period, but also modern examples too. And he kind of teased out 48 rules. If you want to be influential, if you want to have power and have some control in your life, you would do well to abide by these rules. So a mentor gave me that book a decade ago. And I read it. It was a really good read. He then released a book called The 50th Law, where he studied 50 cents life mm-hmm. growing up in, I want to say, New York City, and how that culture kind of made 50 who he was. And then he released uh, The Laws of Human Nature. And so being a coach, we all know this, you're interacting with humans. You're interacting with people with stresses and thoughts and, you know, moods and uh, and um, a unique perspective on how the world operates. And so being able to understand what's what might be going through a person's mind in any given moment um, is really valuable. I think the most important thing I pulled from that book is to be an observer, to detach from situations, to zoom out, to watch, uh, try to catch your own judgments as they're coming through, and just like take in information, you know. Um, my sister, I love her to death, man, but she's just emotionally up, down, up, down, up, down, and I try to help her, hey, like, got to detach from this stuff. You're going to fucking stress yourself out. I can't have that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. We had a whole our previous episode on communication, just about something Taylor teaches. Notice, imagine, feel. Notice what's actually happening rather than we end up telling ourselves these stories. Um, 100%. And the examples, you know, like someone didn't respond to your text. Oh, my God. What did I say? They hate me. They don't, yeah. you know, we use dating as the example. But it's like, oh, maybe they like you so much that they want to say the right thing. So they're like texting their mm-hmm. friends like what do I say to him and things mm-hmm. like that so yeah I love that detaching what was it notice imagine feel yeah, yeah so I like that yeah the the quick version is notice are things that are inarguable so the color of your shirt we're standing uh, around a table we have headsets on everyone would agree with that yeah we don't do that enough as humans right what we notice imagine is anytime we use the word I think or I feel essentially we're creating a story right so ah. someone isn't so what I teach is use the word imagine instead of I think or I feel and it's like a cue that you're creating a story. So if you notice nobody, someone didn't respond to your text. That is inarguable. That's actually what happened. Mm-hmm. You imagine that they're mad at you or they're upset at you or they're ignoring you. However, you could also imagine that they got in a car accident or maybe their phone died or right. So um, and then feel which uh, I'll be I definitely want to hear more later about emotions is really separating sensations versus emotions. So emotions are like angry, mad, sad. Sensations are what you're actually feeling in the body. Mm. So for example, nervousness and excitement could be the same feeling in the body. Mm -hmm. So becoming aware of, oh, what am I feeling in my body? Pausing to think on that before you let the emotion take control. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude. I just learned something. That's awesome. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. It's it's super powerful when I learned it and yeah, very helpful. Notice, imagine, feel like that. Yeah. I like like what you talked about. Imagine uh, not letting that story to just run wild because there's a rabbit hole man it's gonna be yeah. an upward spiral or downward spiral yeah and self-talk typically, typically like, we're in that downward spiral thinking yeah. the worst of things oh man 
one thing I had to pick up, maybe this is laws of human nature. Maybe it was 48 laws. I don't remember, but it's like never assume ill intent. If you try to go into interactions, assuming the best, just by default, like you're going to cut 50% of the stress out of your life. Yeah. Just from that one perspective. For sure. Do you, you ever heard of Key and Peele? Yes. Do you watch that? I don't, but I, okay. I know the we'll, comedians on Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah. so we'll send you a video. Uh, a client of mine sent it to me after I taught her Notice, Imagine, Feel. And there's this, uh, it's like text messaging gone wrong. Um, and there's a skit that they run where like they send texts back and forth. And one, they each think something completely different. Um, it's hilarious. And you'll be like, this <laughs> well, is a perfect example it's good of for perception, Notice, Imagine, a paradigm feel. of yeah. like this, yeah. the, the facts are the same. Mm-hmm. But then how I'm interpreting this and how you're interpreting this and how you're all maybe different levels. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's really interesting to, to tune into that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cool. We'll, we'll have to drop that in the show notes. Uh, do you have a nickname? Dude, cheese. Did, did you love cheese? Uh, well, Colby Cheese. Oh, oh, oh cheese. Okay, Colby okay, Cheese. Uh, as an adult, nobody calls me that. <laughs> when I was, I don't know when it happened. I no, think it was. Well, when now like, they will. <laughs> All of our listeners. Cheese. I had so. Didn't we throw you in a dumpster no. once? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. I got out. So, <laughs> all right. So, college rugby. I made the West All Star team. So, like the western part of the United States, they pick the top like fifty guys, and I was one of them. It was awesome. But I wasn't like of the fifty. I was like near the bottom but yeah. it was cool i was on the team didn't play much but i was on the team and so there's this guy brandon he was um he was a prop big big guy six two three hundred pounds really athletic really strong and he loved that movie is it old school yep and so for the duration of this trip to dallas i was cheese yeah. every time i wasn't colby i wasn't yeah. like the dude from colorado no, yeah. i was cheese and so yeah. If there's any, if there's any nickname, that's that's what it is. Jeez. But no, I mean, people call me Colby. Yeah, you know, Coach cool. Colby. That's yeah, kinda... cool. it's a good name. Yeah, it's solid, it's like unique, more than so than Matt. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what did you <laughs> want to be when you grew up? Oh man, uh, professional wrestler. Yeah, well, we're gonna uh, live that out pretty soon. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> professional wrestler. Um, that's weird. Yeah, I never thought of that that way. Uh, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a WWE, WWF superstar. I grew up in the Attitude Era. Mm. Do you either of you guys watch wrestling growing up? No, I no. Didn't. All right, so in the, let me think, '90s through like the early 2000s, it was called the Attitude Era. This is when The Rock made his career. This is when Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker and um, Mick Foley, who was Mankind and Dude Love and all these. This is like the prime time where it was like, you know, half-naked chicks on television and cussing and violence. And I was 13, 14, so impressionable. Yeah. Um, Turns out as I grew up and look back, I'm like, wow, what a terrible lifestyle you guys have. You're just (laughs) doing steroids, doing drugs, partying all the time, on the road. You don't see your family. It's totally out of alignment with actually what I really want. It's just to be connected to my wife and to my sons and to my clients, you know. So um, there's that, that part of me, like not so much anymore. I think I play that out with sports a little bit, that like competitive side. Um, But back in the day, man, when I was a young man, I like that was it. That's what I wanted to be. Nice. Yeah. Love that. Uh, <laughs> what is your superpower? Oh, man. I think I can read minds. Yeah? Ooh. Yeah. You yeah. Actually that, comes, that comes in handy. I can read feelings. Let me put it that way. Okay. So I, I think I have a really uh, finely tuned uh, intuition or like um, uh, empathetic connection with people. I think I can get on somebody's level pretty quick and, and like, you know, bring any nervousness down and just tune in to where people are. Um, I'm an INFJ personality. You guys ever do Myers-Briggs? Yeah. Uh, Don't have them memorized, though. Yeah, been a while. <laughs> been a while. INFJ is like uh, it's an uh, intuitive, dominant, like feeling, um, I guess, uh, sensation versus judging. 
Um, and really what that means is being able to just like go meet somebody, look them in the eyes. And like, I just have this instinct or this feeling of where they're at. Mm. I really tuned into this when I was doing a little bit of life coaching and I had this, um, this woman who, uh, you know, in our very first session told, I was the second person she's ever told this to about her upbringing and how she was raped and how she was forced to have abortions on many times against her will. And that really kind of, you know, kind of fucked her up. And, uh, her, I want to say her mom or her dad knew this, but she had not told anybody. Right. So our very first session, like she kind of gave this to me and I was driving to jujitsu to go train and I was bawling. I was just crying. I called my wife. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with Mm -hmm. me. And that's when I tuned into, oh, like I can pick up other people's feelings and moods and emotions. In coaching, I've had to learn when to switch that off and not be there, but still be there, like be like, you know, make people feel heard and felt, but not take those feelings and not take those moods. Mm So, uh, you know, if if I, and I, I really do believe in like the, the psychic mystical world, I believe there's more than going on than meets the eye in any interaction, um, you know, body language and, um, uh, you know, tonality of voice, all these different things. Um, so if I had a superpower, I could read minds. I love it. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I can totally relate being an empath. Yeah. It can that's be the your, word I was looking for. Yeah. Thank it you. can be your biggest strength and your biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. So just learning around that. When I was growing up, man, I would have these huge dips in energy, like just crash. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. I was healthy. I was working out. I was eating. I was semi-professional athlete at the time. It was an energy dump. I needed time to recover that I, I wasn't honoring my nature. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so learning that about myself was like a major shift. It was like one of those big steps of like, oh my God, I can operate at this level. This is cool. Uh, learning how to, uh, I need downtime. I need to recover. So. Yeah. Okay. Last rapid fire. What is the best purchase you've made of $150 or less? Oh, dude. Best purchase I made of $150 or less. Noise-canceling headphones. Nice. Solid. Noise-canceling headphones. Um, this was, you know, around the time I was just leaving the corporate world. And um, I thought it was a, it's a total splurge. But, like, being able to shut off hearing, for me, especially when I'm writing or doing any sort of, like, creative work, um, allows me to really just focus all my energy into the work. You know, and that's, dude, that's something I still have the same headphones six years later, mm-hmm. nice. um, hands down, especially for nice. an introvert like me, man, yeah. like I can get, like, let's say overwhelmed, but I need downtime, quiet time. So that was like a, almost like a self-care investment without even realizing it. I tried it at a party one night when I was drunk and I thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And so I was like, I'm going to buy these things. It was dope. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Sick. Okay. So there's a lot of things I want to dive into and talk about, but before we do, uh, maybe you can tell us how you got to where you are. You're, you're a health coach now. And you described earlier, you know, your day-to-day sounds like your perfect day. And it sounds like you are in complete alignment with who you want to be and what you want to do and what you were meant to do. Um, So, yeah, give us a little background on, like, how you got here, how you figured that out, and then what you're currently doing. Yeah. Yeah, most days. Most days, you know. Some days I feel disconnected and totally burned out. Then I got to check in with myself. Um, You know, dude, I – in college, I really – I loved just having conversations, just talking to people one-on-one. I was the guy who we'd go out to a bar with my friends and I'd be the one sitting at the bar next to a total stranger, you know, and there's this one conversation I had. He was an old guy. He was homeless, you know, totally broke. And I just remember like creating a connection with him over the course of three hours. I mean, we were pretty drunk. And so there was that, but I also remember like, I like this feeling of talking to somebody. So that's when I first tuned into like, 
okay, I'm, you know, I really want to work with people. I don't want to work just on a computer. I don't want to like, you know, do manual labor. I want to do some like relationship work. I want to work with people. Um, loved health and fitness, got into that, um, from a place of insecurity. I started researching strength and conditioning and fitness to, uh, feel better about my body. Um, you know, and that whole nother rabbit hole, I've talked about this online a little bit, but, um, and I enjoyed it. I loved learning about anatomy and physiology and I loved learning about, uh, program design and coaching, you know? So I kind of got the scientific side of my brain checked and like the relational, emotional, social side checked. And then, um, let me see, man, I was playing semi-pro rugby after college, uh, Glendale Raptors. This is before they were a professional club, but everything about the environment was like totally on point except for the pay. Did not make a good living <laughs> whatsoever. So I was waiting tables, didn't, wasn't really doing much to like further my career. And I actually interned with the guy who was training me, uh, Jonathan Pope. He runs Ethos Colorado here in Wheat Ridge. Uh, we're still buddies to this day. And uh, for like the first year, I just was like an intern. I just ran group classes. I ran some fitness stuff. And I really loved like being at the gym early. And like you got a little tribe of people that you get up like mentor, you know, it was really mm -hmm. cool. I loved that. That was awesome. Um, I thought that my path would be to run a facility one day. So leveled up, you know, started the CrossFit program here. Job opened up at CrossFit Verve, downtown Denver, interviewed, got the job. A couple months in, the owners at the time, Matt and Shree Chan, decided to sell the gym. So that was like, ah, fuck, I came here because you guys were going to mentor me. You know, I'm really curious, cool what year was that that you were at Verve? 2013 or 14. Man, I emailed Verb. I moved here in 2013, trying to just work as an unpaid intern or whatever, get into CrossFit. Yeah. And they said no. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I wonder if that was you. <laughs> it was not me. Okay. okay. No, no, okay. no, no. They, yeah. I, man, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, um, for that opportunity and for what they did. But anyways, I thought I was going to run a gym. I thought that was like the next level. I want to level up my life. So obviously running a gym is the next step. And so I got that opportunity, Project Rise Fitness Stapleton, and really quickly realized running a gym and being a coach are not the same. Mm -hmm. And I was not prepared for that responsibility. So I totally dropped the ball. It was a mutual parting of ways four months in. Um, and so I went back to waiting tables and I had this moment of like, what am I doing? I was burned out. I didn't want to coach. You know, I'd given so much emotional energy, took a big pay cut to run that. And, uh, I was feeling kind of jaded. I was like, I just need a break from this vibe for a little while. And so I started a podcast, Strength and Performance Podcast. I ran 30 episodes. That was really cool. And then a client who was at Verve, uh, Ben Crookston, he had started this company called Train Heroic. And Train Heroic is a software company, program design, all sorts of cool stuff. And he hired me to do marketing. He saw that I built this little podcast thing and built a little audience. And he kind of saw that, um, uh, I don't know, that hunger, that like hustle, you know? So I worked there for a couple of years put on a ton of weight, realized, man, I don't feel like I'm making much of an impact. I'm ready to get back into coaching. And, um, I had to get in good shape. I had to like get my body back and get my mindset back and get my coaching tools back. And so while I was at train heroic, I hired a business coach, $6,000 on a credit card. I did not have to teach me how to build a marketing agency. Uh, did I ever tell you this no. part of the story? No. So I took, uh, probably 18 to 24 months between like it's kind of, I was doing my full-time job, then building this uh, marketing agency on the side. And I was basically just selling Facebook ad management for HRT clinics, hormone replacement therapy. 
so these clinics, you know, really high profit margins. They are not good with technology, but they want to grow. They have a lot of cash to invest. And I think I was one of the very first people to do this. This was 2017, 2018. And so my company was called Clinic Catalyst. And what we would do is uh, for you know, a couple thousand dollars a month, I would just manage Facebook ads because I was doing that for my job full time. So I had some skills there. So it went great. Built that business up, 20,000 a month, 30,000 a month in revenue. I was like golfing a lot and I was like, like life was cool, but I wasn't like working with people. I wasn't making anybody's life better, you know? So I slowly wound that business down as I started ramping up what I'm doing now. And then April of 2018, 2019, I went to a men's retreat. It's called uh, the New Warrior Training Adventure. And it is basically a rite of passage into manhood, you know, for generations and generations and millennia in most cultures for males and for females, there's always been some sort of like passage. Mm. Traditionally in the American culture, it's college. You go to college, you come out, you got a degree, you might have a lot of debt, and now you're like an adult. So go fucking figure it out. But you don't learn emotional intelligence. You don't learn financial skills. At least I, I didn't. Maybe your experience was very different. Mine was sitting around girls and parties and rugby. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this, this weekend actually transformed my life. It was incredible. Um, it's uh, by a group called the uh, Mankind Project. It's a nonprofit, um, no religious anything whatsoever, uh, but all, uh, I guess, beliefs are welcomed and encouraged. And so this weekend, the new warrior training experience, like legitimately made me come face to face with parts of myself that I did not like, that I was avoiding, that I didn't want to deal with. But this weekend, dude, brought it straight into my face. And I had to deal with that. And it was around pornography. It was around masturbation. And it was around early trauma when I was just a little guy. And so that, you know, going into college and body image stuff was all tied back to that. And so this weekend allowed me to start to heal and figure out why I do some of the weird shit that I was doing. And that's when I started going, holy shit. Like the emotional side is so important. People need to hear about this. People need to learn about this. And inevitably, that's where, you know, 360 Thrive started to be born. Um, that's where I'm at today. So, I love that. I yeah. love that. And no, I think it's worth saying that that was two, three years ago that you did that yeah. uh, New Warrior. Yeah. And like, you've been married for how long? Seven years? Yeah, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I just, for me, kind of putting that together where it's like, you weren't just some single guy. You know, you mentioned porn and masturbation was a problem, which I wrote down and I wanted to talk about that. Um, but I think it's important for people to hear that. Like, yeah. well, you were married and dealing with this stuff. And, yeah, totally. and that was a struggle because I was in a relationship for seven and a half years. I was married. Um, and still, the, you know, those things were a part of my life. And it's yes. like, you think you'd be married and you don't need to masturbate <laughs> or something. Right? 100%, man. Yeah. Um, it, for me, it came from a place of wanting to be validated. Like, you know, uh, my college mission was to just have sex as much as possible. And that uh, didn't lead me anywhere good. Like it was, I got good at manipulating. I got good at like, you know, getting what I wanted out of people. It was very selfish, you know, skills to learn. But like at the same time, man, um, having to come face to face. So that was not cool. Uh, and it's something too, it's like, I'm, I'm at a place now I'm really comfortable talking about it. It's kind of a weird thing to bring up, to talk to people about, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm like happy to step into that if you want to, if you want to have that conversation. But, um, it is in my perspective, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Food's the same. Alcohol's the same. Um, you know, relationships are the same. Like how you use a thing really dictates, you know, are you using it to like cope and to numb and to avoid? Or are you using this for like pleasure and just to relax, right? Mm -hmm. For me, pornography was like 
major avoidance. Like I, I would use it to procrastinate on anything that made me feel uncomfortable. And I had to like, I knew that if I wanted to level up and build a business I want and do what I want with my time, I got to like address this area of my life that was not so good. Uh, Cause I was unhappy, I was deeply unhappy. And more importantly, I wasn't honoring my wife, was not honoring her to what she deserves and what she needed. And that made me feel like I, I got to level up here, yeah. you know, and that's not a cool area to look at either. You know, um, I think it's, I think it's going to be an epidemic, man. Like it's crazy. The men who have come to me, the volume of people who've reached out silently in confidence, like, dude, me too, me too. It's just shocking. Yeah. I've, I've been seeing it a bit more. Uh, and I even took a, this, this course about, you know, the effects of dopamine and really the phone in general, but he talked about the same thing. It's, it's, it's pornography, it's alcohol. It's like, we all have our own mm-hmm. vices, yeah. but I think for a lot of guys, and I can't even 100%. imagine if I was a kid growing up and just having the unlimited access to porn, dude, uh, that would, that would really the mess first me up. time I saw porn, uh, it was in a magazine. And then I remembered this was right when dial up was uh, a thing. for those of you who uh, are too young magazine, <laughs> it's pieces of paper. <laughs> yeah. It kind of looks like a color book. color. Yeah. There's color. Yeah. Color so shows picture. up at your house every month. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this was when dial-up was a thing, dude. And I remember, like, it took, like, 20 minutes to get three photos, you know? And so I'm, like, 12 years old, like, click, click, click. Wait, where's my mom? Where's my mom? You know, if they yeah. come in, you minimize the window. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but now, you know, having a device in your hand with high speed, full resolution, you know, anything you want. Um, to me, any sort of overuse or overindulgence probably isn't a healthy thing. And so, um, and here's the other thing. I'm not saying porn's bad. Like some people hear this conversation and right away freak out and start making judgments. I don't want yeah. you to pause, hold that. Yeah. Like sit with that feeling. If that's bringing something up for you, cool. Uh, notice that. What'd you say? Uh, notice. Yeah. Notice. Imagine. Imagine. Yeah. 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 So. So I think this is really important because you you started talking about it and you're like, this may be a weird subject to bring up. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. So I think we should definitely dive into it Let's do because. It. Um, this, like a lot of other things, people, like you mentioned, it's just avoidance. So it's like uncomfortable. Like people probably have a sensation in the body right now if they're listening. Like, oh, yeah. this is, are we talking about this? Is this happening? But it's like, it, it's everywhere, right? And it's something that a lot of people deal with. And like you said, it, it was avoidance for you. So I'm curious if you mentioned you were really unhappy. Mm-hmm. Was there like a tipping point to make you go on that retreat to make a change? Like what did it take for you? Yeah. Um, gosh. My mentor, Chance, Chance Tarot, he's been a new warrior uh, elder, I don't know what to call him, leads uh-huh. the trainings, and he was a member at Verve. And so I met Chance when I was at Verb, uh, Verve, and there's something about this dude's, like, the way he shows up in the world that I'm like, you're attractive. Like, I want what you have. What is this thing that you do? It's that energy. You're yes. Talking. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you're not attractive in a sexual way, but attractive. Yeah. Like, dude, I want to be your best friend. Like yeah. you are awesome. I want to spend my time with you. And so he, you know, over the course of three, four years, would just keep up with me. How's life? You know, I knew he was doing this thing and he always kept it in the dark and like, didn't really tell me much about it. So there's a sense of intrigue of like, what is it? Hmm. He's like, and, and the answer is for anybody listening, you got to see it for yourself. There's nothing I can say that's going to make you want to do it. Uh, if you do something like this, have an intent, have a, have a reason why. And so, I had failed multiple times at getting to a place where I felt in control, um, specifically around that one area of porn use. Um, but anyways, I went into that. I was like, you know, there's a threshold. I think people cross where it's like, my life is so painful now that changing is actually going to be easier than keeping this shit going. Uh, there's a, a favorite quote of mine when 
the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. Nailed it. Then you will change. That's it, man. And I hit that point. I hit that point. Where I was like, I'm just sick of this shit. I'm so over it. This is so stupid. This is holding me back on so many levels, energy-wise, emotional availability with my wife, with my clients, intimacy in my marriage. Like all these things that a lot of men are experiencing and don't want to talk about, I was like there, and it wasn't a good place to be. And so inevitably, I was like, well, I'm always open to do the work. I'm always open to improve myself. Chance, I trust you. I registered, you know, went to it, and it was like, I don't even know what I was expecting, but it was it was life-changing. It was awesome. And I think it's something that... Um, you know, some sort of rite of passage into manhood is needed. And it's not just about like, like in college, we, <laughs> the, the initiation to rugby was like getting blackout drunk, I was gonna say, like streaking yeah. around the neighborhood, yeah. you know, drinking at 30 in Dude. a few hours. Right? Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was cool. Like when, when I was 19, it was like freedom, yeah. you know, I Absolutely. just all of a sudden had like this, like this, like, I don't know, wild man inside of me that could come out. And so, uh, but not, it's not a healthy initiation. That's not really, that didn't make me a man, you know, that didn't make me a leader. Um, it's like, you know, being able to share space with 50 other men who are working through stuff like way beyond what I had experienced in terms of like trauma and like, you know, childhood, uh, I guess, traumatic experiences, being able to see them work through it actually changed my heart more than me just finally, part of it was opening up and being like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. Oh, that feels so good to know, you know? So uh, I'm not sure I was going with that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way. Like, I'm not the only one, right? I, I kind of want to stick with the, the porn and masturbation thing for a second just because we touched on it. And uh, if people are resonating with that, like, I know for me, um, like you said, it's avoidance. Yeah. Like, I will, like, if I'm about to start, like, maybe it's direct outreach. Like, I reach out to people, strangers on Instagram to get more clients. And it's like, it's not my favorite thing to do. So it's like, all right, I'm about to start this. But first... Let I'm me, gonna masturbate. Let me go rub one out real <laughs> yeah. quick. Yeah, and it's like I'm not even horny. I'm just like, well, this is like cool. Yeah. I just look at the it's, boobies it's, it's right now. It's a tool, dude. <laughs> it's a it's a tool to like regulate, right? It's like you've found a, a people do this with food. The men I work with typically food and pornography are like the one and the same. They hit the same reward circuits of the brain. Um, they're instantly available and they're hyper rewarding, right? I shouldn't say food. I should say like junk food. Say yeah. processed foods, right? Twinkies, Oreos, all the shit you eat. You're like, oh my god. Mm. Um, but it's a behavior that I have learned and that you have learned to regulate and make yourself feel better, right? Because you've got this uncomfortable, like, am I good at this? Can I do this? I don't really want to do this. Isn't the best thing in the world? I've been in that situation hundreds of times, you know? Um, and being able to sit with those feelings and, like, separate it and still, like, stay on your path, that's where you get success. That's where you achieve the goal that you want. I love that. So correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like it's, it's that notice. It's hundred percent. I'm about to masturbate. Why am I about to do this? Mm -hmm. Is it because I'm avoiding the direct outreach or whatever it is for you? Uh, and then I, what is like a tool for someone to, I think notice they're doing that. And then how can they, if they feel like it's necessary, it's stopping them, stopping them from growth. How can they, you know, stop doing it? <laughs> yeah, dude. Awareness typically brings its own change. Honestly, it's like, if you can get to a place where you're aware of the trigger, you're aware of the feelings, you're aware of the thought patterns, and then you can name the emotion. It's like, oh, okay, I notice that I'm feeling a little anxious. And, um, you know, scale of 1 to 100, my, um, my anxiety is like a, like a 70. It's like, okay, that's pretty intense, you know, anxiety. Or it's like, um, a lot of times for me, as weird as this sounds, I was able to narrow it down to the majority of my use was after work, um, when I was tired, or when I was hungry. 
if those, if I noticed I was tired or hungry, I was like, let me fulfill those needs first. And then if I still want to do it, I'll do it. Mm. Nine times out of 10, I was like, got my needs met. I'm good. I don't need to do this. Um, so noticing and like just awareness as a whole, I want to talk, talk on this for just a second. It's a fucking superpower. Like think about how you can direct what you're hearing. Like you can move your hearing to like different parts of the room, right? As you said that, I noticed the air conditioner, which I didn't notice before. Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. It's like your awareness. You can shift this like thing called awareness to different things. You can shift it into your body. You know, when you're working out, you can feel your muscles working. When you're in conversation, you can like tune in somebody's eyes or look at their body language, see where they're at. But awareness, it's a superpower. Like if we can just be more aware of like in, in nutrition coaching, right? It's like one of the things I ask clients to do for two weeks. It's like just be aware of your appetite. If you're not hungry, don't eat. If you are hungry, eat. Sounds so simple, but because it, it is, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the awareness, you know, notice, and then name. Give it a name, because once you can name it, you can understand it, and then then have some strategies predetermined for what you will do. How will you behave? Because noticing isn't enough. Naming it isn't enough. Doing is what actually matters. And so, go on a walk, read a book, pull up YouTube, do some push-ups, call a friend, you know. Uh, go outside and like punch a punching bag. I don't know. It's like have a behavior pre-planned that you can just, I'm there, uh, go do this thing. And inevitably, man, just like with food cravings, junk food cravings, you know, alcohol cravings. Um, now that one comes with an asterisk. I believe alcoholism and alcohol addiction is a real, very real thing. And I'm not qualified to be talking in that domain. Um, but more often than not, majority of people, the craving or the urge subsides, goes away, dissipates. Yeah. And that is what confidence comes from. So confidence, we like to think of as like this machoism, like alpha male, you know, just take no shit type personality. To me, confidence is just nothing more than keeping your agreements with yourself. That's it. Literally being able to say something, commit to it, and then follow through on that agreement. Because then you're literally developing confidence in yourself to be able to follow through on what you say you're going to do. So, um, yeah. I love the way you talk about that because it's like literally you say the word porn. And people, ha- I imagine they have this feeling, <laughs> yeah. right? They tense up or whatever. And it's, it's because it happens in the dark, right? It's like, yeah. It, yeah. you know, and I, so I love how you relate it to food you, because you, you masturbate in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let me get more accurate with my language. Yeah. <laughs> just wanna, now I'm just picturing you in your bedroom, shades <laughs> shut, lights off. Just I mean, we've all, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, we've yeah, all been yeah. there. Let's uh, just be honest. It happens away, you know, closed doors, like, yes, you know, that's don't thing. talk about it. Yeah, yeah, you don't talk about it. Right. However, people struggle with food all the time and they're more comfortable maybe talking about that. However, like you said, the underlying cause could be the same. And so it's like the same way you might look at, at food of like, OK, like you had mentioned, like, oh, if I'm hungry or if I'm tired or irritable or like whatever the things are, those could be triggers for food. Mm-hmm. Could also be triggered for porn. Yeah. You know, and it's just like um, but again, I think the biggest issue is people just don't talk about this stuff. Yes. Especially porn. Um, I, here's the place. I'm agnostic about it at this point. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm like indifferent. I think that it's, um, you know, for some people, they make a great living doing porn. And that's like maybe what they're here to do. I'm not one to judge. I don't, I, I really try to not get my personal opinions in it. I'm, I'm more free of like, you do what you want. As long as you don't hurt me or my family, we're good. Um, you know, I, I look at the food industry and I'm like, man, this industry is fucking people up mm. like knowingly fucking people up you know porn i think is something that has done a really good job of like branding itself especially in the modern age as like not dangerous not harmful totally normal totally okay and like for some people maybe but 
the same thing could be said about like sugar cereal, right? Or Mountain Dew, right? It's the same exact behavior. Well, not same exact behavior, but it's triggers from the same stuff. It's a way to soothe. It's a way to comfort. It's a way to calm. It's instantly available. It's hyper rewarding. And it's not what nature intended. On an average life of our ancestors, and maybe even today, they would have, uh, you know, an average of like, geez, I don't know, 10 sexual partners over the course of their entire life. One porn session, you could have 30 in a matter of five minutes. Mm -hmm. Think about that for your brain for a second. It's like, what am I teaching myself here? When I started learning the facts of this thing, I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So when you want, I mean, this is the problem that I think we're talking a lot about men. I don't know about women and their issues, but like there are guys in their twenties who have erectile dysfunction. Yeah, dude. And it's because you go to have sex. Now it's just one woman, maybe a few positions and where you're watching porn and you're like any woman, any race in any position doing some weird ass shit. Yeah, dude. Your stepsister that you would never do. Yeah, you know? It's hyper rewarding. You get yeah. desensitized now to your what brain's normal like, should be. Yeah. So now your brain's like, oh, you're just gonna have sex with one girl. Yeah. Not, not enough. hundred percent, man. Um, the, the, uh, the, upside or the the positive of this is neuroplasticity you guys all know what this means our brains learn and adapt that can be unlearned like coming from a recovering porn addict i hate to use that language yeah but like you can develop intimacy and you can develop a very healthy relationship like physical intimacy with a person it takes a while but you can get there so that's i hope you know everybody's listening and you're kind of struggling with that just know that you're not totally fucked (laughs) yeah so when is it good to watch porn and enjoy it Dude. And then maybe when is it, you know, I guess the avoidance is when we know where we shouldn't be, but you know, man, I think that's hard to say. I, I can't say that, um, for, 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 uh, anybody listening, I can speak for myself and I can say that for myself, man, me going back to that behavior does not honor my wife and it's not who I want to be. Um, craving still there. No question. Right. Accessibility is still there. Like, I'm not going to throw out my phone. I thought about it many times. I was like, I should get a fucking flip phone. This would solve 99% of my porn use, like in a, in a one decision. It's like, honey, right? why are you going to the bathroom with your laptop? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, emails. Yeah. Email. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, man, I don't know. I think that if you're listening to this and, you know, that's something you're struggling with, only you can make that distinction. Um, now, there's a difference between, por- like, I've heard of some men going, like, no porn but still masturbation. I've heard some men going, no porn, no masturbation, just sex. I've heard some men going, all three, right, like, abstaining from it. That brings up this other idea of fasting. You know, we tend to think of fasting of avoiding food, like, not eating for a while. I think the same idea, same principle can apply for any sort of behavior. Not eliminating totally, but getting some distance from it to, like, regulate and, like, acclimate to like what's life like without this thing you know for me alcohol was a big thing in college and I went through a phase of like my body really feels like shit when I drink but I kept doing it right so eventually I was like "Ah, this isn't that fun anymore why am I doing this so I went to a bachelor party weekend and said I'm not going to drink I'm just not going to do it that's impressive I ended up getting in a uh, a fist fight with my best friend (laughs) because he was super duper drunk and I was not and he was annoying that's a conversation for another day yeah um but I realized, holy shit, I, it, it, it solidified my reasons even more. Being sober amongst a bunch of drunk idiots was like, yeah, I'm not on this vibe anymore. I can't do this. So fasting is, as an idea, I think is a really helpful thing just to like, number one, test your willpower. Like, you know, you got to be able to flex your resistance muscles and say no, because we all have that capability. And also, you know, decide on what terms you want to reintegrate that into your life. I'm not here to say porn's good or bad or that you should or shouldn't. I'm telling you my personal experience is my life is better without it. And so I've kind of 
you know, set up my life to live in alignment with that. I love it. This is so good. So we had talked about th- this awareness for you and how powerful that was. And, and we, I would agree with you that a lot of times it takes life getting so painful mm-hmm. that staying the same is worse than change. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is for so many people? Why does it take that to, to make a change, whether that is talking about porn or nutrition or bettering your life or anything? Man, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think that uh, one idea that comes to mind is that we're usually twice as motivated by pain as we are to seek pleasure, to avoid pain, to seek pleasure. But I also think that, like, we can lie to ourselves. Our capacity for self-deception is, like, infinite, man. It's like we can, we can you know, guys especially, you know, I'll raise my hand here. This is my story. Like, as I was gaining weight, I still was, like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm fucking fit, I'm strong, I'm healthy. So I saw a photo of me, I'm like, and I'm fat. Mm. And it took that moment to be like, I got I didn't see this guy. So I don't know. I guess our, our capacity to self-deceive and self-sabotage and justify poor decisions is, like, infinite. There's a lot. And so one thing that really helped me was called cognitive behavior therapy. You guys ever heard of CBT? CBT is a talk therapy tool and it basically teaches a way of, you know, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety. But what it really is, is like a technology to make better decisions, right? They use it in a therapy setting, right? So I I went through a therapist for quite a while while I was working on uh, the pornography stuff. And I picked up so many good tools that I now use in my coaching. And CBT really helped me see the awareness between how I feel, impacts what I think, impacts what I do. And core to CBT is what's called hot thoughts, sabotaging thoughts, thoughts that pop up that justify and undermine your goals, that justify a bad decision and undermine your confidence and undermine your goals. Like uh, overeating on the weekends, partying on the weekends, being really good Monday through Friday, Friday night, alcohol, junk food leads into the weekend of overeating, leads into Monday, scales up. Oh, why did I do that? I'm never going to do that again. Same pattern plays out, right? So the sabotaging thought is, ah, it's the weekend. I had a hard week. You know, I totally have earned this. And what CBT CBT teaches is how to respond to those thoughts, how to have a self like conversation internal of like, well, yeah, it was a hard week. Yeah, you probably did earn this if that was a thing, but that's not what's going to get you closer to your goals. And so for me to achieve what I want to achieve, Uh, I'm going to have to actually not do this. And you actually make this, have this conversation in your head. So the way I teach this is uh, with morning mindset work with all my clients. We literally take a stack of index cards and they write down their, um, I call it an advantages list and also their response cards. So that when the environments, triggers, situations arise, they have a more helpful response on hand, ready to uh, counteract those sabotaging thoughts. So I guess to answer your question, man, it's like, it's human nature. We all do it, right? There's all, there's all some capacity or some area of our life where we're, you know, probably like lying to ourselves, you know? Um, porn for me for like the longest time, it's weird because like 18, 22, 25, not a big deal. 25, I was like, ah, I got this. I can, I can work on this later, you know? Mm-hmm. 30 came around. I was like, oh my God, this is like a habit. I think I'm fucking addicted. This is trouble. I got to really address this. I need help. Um, so all that's the same, man, it's human nature, I think, is like we just all have a capacity to self-deceive and like get in our own way. And eventually, when life gets painful enough, um, 
and we want more for ourselves, it can go one of two ways. We can just like continue getting what we got and doing the same thing, or we can say, I want a better way of operating. How can I, how can I level up my life in this area? It's, it's so good. It's, it's that awareness. Yeah. yeah. None of this 100%. works without the awareness. hundred percent. Even the awareness for you, like I hit this low point, can't get worse. I need to make a change. All these things. I, I, as you're explaining this, I kind of smiled because, um, I feel like if, if I'm aware of enough of like a bad habit, for instance, and I'll give an example, um, I can change it by bringing awareness to it where it's like, I used to bite my nails and it didn't just stop, but uh, I would notice, oh, I'm biting my nails. And, um, I don't really know how I stopped that, but I think the better example is that I also pick my lips, yeah. especially here in Colorado, super dry. dry. And then it's like always right here. It starts to bleed. Then it just looks, I look ugly. And I look like this dude with a fucking bloody lip. It's like gross. It's like, <laughs> it's not herpes, guys. Um, or is it? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no it's not. No. Uh, very, <laughs> so, so clean. I'm in person here. Um, and uh, so I've been really working hard to stop doing that. I'm like, I don't want to be, I'm not the type of person who picks their lips. Like I, yes. I have healthy lips. It's an affirmation. Yes. Right? I yeah. pray with an affirmation. And then I go, I know when I don't pick my lips is when I have chapstick on. Cause like, then I want chapstick on my fingers. Yeah. So kind of like what you said, I paired that was like, first I noticed, Oh shit, I'm picking my lips. Like, and I just so badly want to finish picking it and get the little uh, skin, piece of skin off. And, yeah. and, uh, and this, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. Grab the chapstick, put it on. And now every time it's it like, behave differently. Yeah. I'm slowly starting to not pick my lips as That's much awesome, anymore. Dude. And, but it all started with that awareness. Yep. And then I love what you said about pairing that with something. It's like, what do we do to get out of that? Kind of like the masturbation. It's like, all right, I want to jerk off right now. Instead of pulling up porn, let me go for a walk. Yeah. Let me walk around the block. And if I still want to do it, I don't know, just do it then. Yeah. But it's likely, 100%. You're, but it's likely you're not going to want to do it when so you it's get a, back. That's a, that's a justification for a good behavior. Yeah. You, in a weird way, it's like, okay, I'm going to go do, let's say I want to jerk off. I want to go for a walk. That's the hard decision. Like, what sounds better? Let's be real. Jerking off sounds yeah. way more fun than going on a walk. Right? I know what I'm doing. I get home. Yeah. <laughs> going on a walk? That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, motherfucker, you better. That's good. Um, but that's a hard moment, man. Like it's literally these, our, our future and our destinies are made in those moments of like five seconds of like, I have a choice to do something different. And when we don't do it, we end up being mad at ourselves and frustrated and I'll never be able to do this. And this dialogue just goes on. Um, it's, it can be mind boggling sometimes. I had this tweet, I actually heard it from, we were talking earlier about um, Chris Harder and, and his wife, Lori Harder said, um, easy equals frustration, difficult equals freedom. Yeah. Oh, dude, 100%. Yeah. And it's so easy to pull the porn or just watch Netflix or I'm just going to like do whatever's easy. But when you do that hard thing and you start making those a habit, that's when you have all the things you want. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just a week later, oh, I still haven't done it. A year later, I still haven't gone to the gym. And then you see your friends who are leveling up and there's like this part of you that's like, why can't I do that? Mm. You know, that, that part of it hit for me is like I had some um, – what the word is uh envy maybe i don't know if that's the right word that doesn't do it the intensity that i felt seeing um you know this company that i had left you know the the owner continue to thrive and do really well i was like i want to fucking prove this guy wrong i was pissed i was so mad and that's part of like okay in order to do that i gotta like get my shit right i gotta get my game right right to earn that stuff so yeah yeah, so maybe the better question is how do we create this awareness? Because you mentioned it, it's human nature, right? We, we've all been there where it's like it takes a lot till we want to make change. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you help your clients create awareness. I love what you're talking about. I've heard of cognitive behavioral therapy and yeah. haven't really dove into it. Um, but it's, it sounds similar to what I do in like a different way. And so people come to you, maybe it's like, oh, I want to get in shape or mm -hmm. lose weight or nutrition. That's what they think they want. And then you actually create awareness to their self-sabotaging 
Yes. You know, habits. Yes. And that's what I do with clients through story work and language. So like I've had clients who are like, they're like, oh, I'm my own worst critic. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's the story that you're telling yourself. And so instead, let's write this out. I used to be my own worst critic. And they're like, oh, okay, I like that. And then we sit with that for a little bit. Um, and then we just change the language. And it sounds like, you know, that's what, what you're doing is helping create awareness of, you know, these people who maybe binge on the weekends or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, the type of person who, you know, uh, has a bad habit or watches porn or whatever. It's like, they're believing that story about themselves. They mm -hmm. have these limiting beliefs. So it's creating awareness around things that maybe they're not aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, and doing that. So like, I think that's a really cool way. I love the morning mindset idea. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. And it's like awareness. It, it really is a superpower. Cause like we can direct our attention, you know, where, what we focus on, that's where our energy goes. And so, you know, for anybody listening who might wonder like, well, shit, what do I need to work on? You know, like anything that, that uh, elicits a really strong emotional response is probably something to pay attention to. Mm. It's all the advice I can give. It's like, you know, the men who come to me um, are so frustrated with themselves around around nutrition. Like, every other part of their life is dialed. Like, these guys are high-income earners. You know, they work out regularly. Um, you know, they're, they're married, have kids. Like, they're pretty dialed. They are pretty balanced in, in other areas. But the food thing is this really weird thing where they can't fucking figure it out. Um, and, and awareness comes back to that, man. And so the way that I teach it is just kind of a step-by-step. -step. You know, every two weeks we focus on a new area. Focus on a new area. I've been doing it long enough now. I know what those steps are for the right person. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Follow this. You'll get here. I promise. Um, took a long time to figure out how to fucking put those in the right order. Um, I'm, I'm interested to hear about story work. I'm going to follow up with you offline, okay. man, and try to Yeah, I would, I would love to connect. Yeah. Yeah, we could, be cool. we could talk about a lot. Sweet. For sure. Sweet. Um, yeah. Story work is powerful. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so something I'd love to talk about, we talked about a little bit earlier before we started recording, is self-doubt. Yeah. You, I would love to hear maybe how that's played in your own life and then now how a lot of your clients deal with self-doubt. Because I imagine every single person, myself included, that's listening deals with self-doubt. Yeah. Um, man, I like kept myself stuck for – there's no reason that I couldn't have the business that I have now when I was 22. I mean, yeah, I didn't have the knowledge that I have now and nor the personal growth, sure. But like – I'm at a point now, right, you know, similar to where you guys are. It's really cool to see. I can just be unapologetically me. The thing that I used to hide from people was the porn thing. I know, like, oh, but if you found that out, you're not going to love me. Hmm. We're not going to be friends. And how good does that feel to be yeah, unapologetically incredible. you? It feels so good, man. And to also know that, like, A, I'm not the only one. B, you're broken, too, in your own weird, unique way. We all have something. Um, but C, I don't overthink it anymore. Yeah. I just like take action and then some of my stuff totally flops and it's okay. Um, for the longest time, social media is weird because it, uh, man, it amplifies mistakes, I think, and it amplifies wins. And it's also one thing to note, it is curated, you know, it's like, um, you know, some of the stuff I talk about, I try to be vulnerable. I try to be authentic. I try to like tell people the real shit that's happening. But at the same time, it's like I have a business to run and I want to look really cool. So you like people want to hire me. And so there's some times where if I don't get the engagement that I like, or like if people ghost me on DMs or whatever, all of a sudden this, this story, this self-talk starts popping up. I'm like, why am I even doing this? Yeah. You know? So for me, it's just catching those moments and being like, looking at, looking at evidence, look at the past. I go to my testimonial videos. I look at one of the ones you made and I remind myself of like, I'm actually really good at what I do. Let me just like 
remind myself of that. And so as a coach, I think it's really important to have your own mindset work of like affirmations. I'm good at what I do. I provide a lot of value. I help people change their lives. And that brings you back to the original motivation, right? Um, so you had a second part to that question. I'm sorry. Just, uh, with your clients, like how to, you know, how, how has that come up for them? What are kind of the big things? And then what tools do you use to help them through that? Yeah. They talk, they talk bad about themselves, you know, like, uh, I'm just an idiot. I'll never be able to do this. This is really hard. And one of the things I love is that anytime a client personal training or fitness or even a friend starts talking negative about themselves around me, I look them dead in the eyes. It's like, don't talk about my friend that way. Mm-hmm. And that, that right there, dude, cuts right to their heart. They're like, oh, that's so good. I love that. That's so <sighs> good. I'm stealing that. For yeah, sure. yeah. definitely stealing uh, that. I don't remember who I got that from. Yeah. I did not come up with that. I heard somebody, maybe somebody said it to me once. I was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, right, it does. It, it deflates the situation right away. And it says, you do love me. Like we're friends still, right? In nutrition coaching, um, week number two, we introduce a habit called flexing your resistance muscles. For 14 days, I ask them to fast from junk food, from alcohol, from sugar, from grains. It's impossible. Nobody's ever done it 14 days of 14 days by design. I want them to fail. I want them to be in a place where they're uncomfortable and they have to come face-to-face with hunger, with you know, um, you know, dealing with anxiety and dealing with low motivation and dealing with what the fuck did I sign up for and all these things come up for them. And inevitably, we have a coaching call at some point in that two weeks and like, call me. some people avoid it. Mm. Right. But I can look at their tracking sheet and see where they're at. And they feel like they fail. And I tell them like, Hey, don't like, I, by the way, I hope you know my clients are listening to this and they get in on this little level, but it's like, listen, man, I set you up. I set you up to fail yeah. because failure, we have that conversation. And then from that point forward, you realize it's really not a big deal because I haven't quit. I haven't totally given up. I mean, sure. I didn't, you know, flex my resistance muscles enough in this week, but that's okay. Cause you're learning how to integrate this stuff. And so it's just that one piece, man, of like telling my clients, I still love you a lot. You're like really awesome. You know, one of the things they say a lot is like, I'm just so lazy. And I'm like, oh, sure. Tell me more about how you're lazy. And they're like, well, I just haven't worked out in four days. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But you work 80 hour work weeks and you have three kids yeah. and you serve at your, you know, youth volleyball and you do this. And they're like, I'm not lazy. I'm like, no, yeah, man, yeah. you're just tired. Yeah. You have a lot on your plate. Your, your priorities are a little confused right now, but you're not lazy. Yeah. That's like literally basically story work. I'll have them actually write out cool. stuff and they're like, yeah, I'm lazy. And then I, I'll like reword things. Yeah. Like, does this sound feel accurate? And if it doesn't, that's cool. But like, you know, you kind of work through that scenario and then they're like, oh, wow, you're right. I'm not lazy. I'm yes. just struggling with this. Now you're right building now. a new belief. Mm-hmm. You're building this. Cause belief. that's the story they're telling themselves. Is, yes. I'm a lazy, I'm a lazy person. If you keep telling yourself, that's what you're going to become. Yes, 100%, man. The inner game, like the first six weeks of 360 Thrive is what I call the inner game. It's about, it's about this stuff that we're talking about right now. A little bit of nutrition sprinkled in, but it's like, you know, noticing and naming moods, uh, noticing and naming your appetite level, stopping at 80% full, flexing your resistance muscles. And in that week in particular, people fuck up by design. Yeah. Like I want them to fail in that first week or the second week so that we can build this trust. Because then they're like, okay, I don't need to prove anything to my coach. He's, I don't, that's not what this relationship is. I'm actually here to do it for myself. When they come to that place, dude, they're fucking unstoppable. It's awesome. It's such a cool transformation to see between their ears. It's awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, I just think that's so important to what you do as a coach. And if there's any other coaches listening, like this is what I've learned. I've learned a lot through Taylor um, and just doing it. But it's like, you can't tell people you're, you're fucking up. Yeah. They have to realize it themselves. So asking better questions allows them to get there to be like, 
I'm lazy. It's like, are you lazy? Tell me about your day. Yeah. And they go, yeah, I work the 80 hour work week and do and volunteer and all this stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm not lazy. Where if you were just sitting there going, but you work an eight hour work week, you have kids. If you told them all that stuff, they'd be like, yeah, but yeah. like, and so just having them speak it out and, um, you just pull it out. You, you like as a coach, you're going to have enough conversations to be like, I've been here before. I know how to ask the questions to lead you to this pot of gold at the end of the next mm -hmm. 20 minutes yeah. where you have the realization of like, Oh my God, I'm just fine. I just fucked up one time. It's not a big deal. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> if you told them the pot of gold, it's not as bad. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's hundred percent. So you brought up failure. Yeah. I would love to talk about that because I believe there's a lot of people have a negative connotation with failure, but how do you view failure? Yeah. Uh, I view failure as feedback. Um, I view failure as feedback in that, um, you know, I didn't achieve the outcome that I was after. Right. I used to attach a lot of personal meaning to that, like, uh, personal value and personal worth to failure. Um, my college rugby team was okay. We didn't win a lot, but I hated losing, really hated it. And that motivated me to be better, right. To, to develop a better game plan. But failure really is feedback, man. It's like, you have a strategy, uh, you want to grow your business, right? I want to get more clients. I want to help guide them through this thing, right? So we have this strategy. Then you have this outcome. You're like, okay, what's the outcome that I want to get? And so, you know, Thomas Edison, I think, had, I don't know the number, 1,000, 10,000 failures, which are actually just learnings, before he invented or, or found the thing that became the light bulb. And so it's like that light bulb moment of like, oh, shit. And learning, man, learning is cool. Like I, I'm, I'm doing this uh, audio program right now, advanced learning and teaching technologies. It's like 60 hours of training. It's really cool. I'm excited to start sharing some of the stuff on social media. But he talks about failure in that it's just feedback. It's it. It's like get feedback from your environment, run it through your, you know, your logic, and then make a better plan. Not I'm a failure. Two different things. My strategy sucked. Versus mm. I suck is two different things. Far too often, people go to the place of, I tried to lose weight and I just fucked up on the weekend. I'm a failure. Versus, no, your strategy sucked. Like you didn't have the game plan down to do the thing right. You are not a failure. So Yeah, who you are and what you do are not the same. 100%, yeah. man. 100%. And for me, that's been tough. That's been tough. A lot of my self-worth and my, I guess, personal identity was tied to like athletic accomplishments, you know? And then I had to realize that's a, a stupid place to put my value, um, but B, like it's not in my control. I can't like, you know, force the outcome of anything. I can just do my best and that's it, you know? So a lot of it was, um, you know, taking, like putting a post up and if it didn't get a like in, you know, five minutes, I'm like, oh God, I'm a failure. I had to pull this out. Nobody can see me be like that. Now I'm just like, I don't care. This is not a big deal anymore because it's probably going to get disappeared in 20 minutes anyways. If it's not any good, the algorithm is going to say, see you later, <laughs> you know? And, um, yeah. So it, it seems like through your whole story that you've been pretty good at failure. Like, um, just, you know, even starting the podcast, going to Verve, uh, or going to project, uh, rise yeah. and four months later, mutual. See you later, Colby. Yeah. Um, why do you think you've been so good at like taking that step? Cause I feel like so many people are afraid to do that to start a podcast because maybe it's the imposter syndrome we were talking about before before we started recording. Who am I to record a podcast? Who am I to go to Project Rise? Oh, a lot a of that manager? came up. Oh, dude, 100%. Uh, a lot of it came from the same place of, like, chip on my shoulder. Like, I, I love to prove people wrong. That's a real – that's kind of a fucked up thing, but I really like, like, somebody telling me I can't do something, and then I'm like, watch this, dude. Let me show you. And, um, you know, so leaving Project Rise, the way that the relationship kind of – they, they took care of me. I shouldn't say that, but the 
the opportunity that I had before that was so awesome. I didn't see it that I was really fucking mad at myself. I was like, why didn't I just stay at this other place? It was so silly. But again, my life would be in a different place. So that was the journey I was meant to take. Um, so I don't know, man, there was a lot of self-doubt. There was a lot of imposter syndrome, right? Of like realizing like part of it made me realize, holy shit, you don't know as much as you think you do guy. You need to like go hit the books and study. Mm-hmm. You need to get reps at actually coaching people. And, th- and I don't know, man, it's just like, eventually I just embraced it. You know, like, like I said, in college, our rugby team was not very good. So I got used to losing a lot, you know, and, um, it's just, you have to, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's like water is wet, you know, snow is cold <laughs> success and failure are the same. It's like, they, is, you can't pull those wet? apart. <laughs> go yeah, yeah, sure. So, so true. <laughs> yeah. You can't have a success without the failure. Yeah. You literally can't. And that's why it's like, you haven't done this before. So of course you're going to fail. Like you should expect failure pretty much. Yes. Um, you know, working out, you know, I think that's a big thing for people working out nutrition. It's like no one ever told you how to eat healthy. No one ever gave you the tools to maybe say no to the food or what to actually eat or nailing it. Like you said, you don't have the proper plan, the execution. And it's like, so that's okay. And if you just keep trying, you're going to learn a little bit along the way. You're not failing. Like you said, you're learning. Yeah. And, uh, and then you want to hurry up that process. Hire a coach. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, do you want to, Oh my gosh. Let me tell you guys this. Like I've had one, two, three coaches in my life. Yeah. Lauren, I had Josh and I had Matt. Josh was the first one. Josh Harris. I hired him $8,000. I think my credit card to start my marketing agency. Did not have that money. That investment forced me to take action. I was like, holy crap. I have to do this. It was on a credit card. I didn't, dude, I made $4,000 a month. That was two months of my income. That was a, looking back, it was an awesome decision in the moment. I'm like, my wife forced me to do it, which was really cool. But that time collapsed from what might've taken me a year, three months. Had my first paying client, $2,000 a month, $24,000 a year. Like what? That was so cool. Yeah. Right. Then Lauren, Lauren Widrick, she was, uh, she's a life coach, high performance coach. She like really dug into my thinking and helped me figure some stuff out. And then Matt Walraith, time collapse. It's like, you can get the outcome on your own, probably, maybe, but a coach is going to literally give you the path. Do this. Okay, cool. How'd it go? Good or bad? Awesome. Now do this. Yeah. Now do this. Now do this. And then at the end of that thing, you're like, that was really uncomfortable. Holy shit. But I got what I wanted and now I'm at this new level. So man, I, c- I just cannot say it enough. Like I've invested tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in coaching. And it's a weird thing because it's not a tangible return. It's like, if you buy a MacBook, you got like this thing coaching. You don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I like what you said. I think you can, anyone can figure it out. But it might take you 10 years, 15 yeah. years. Yeah. That's why you hire someone who has those 10 years and can put it into those three months or whatever it is. Yep. And you said you didn't have that money. You didn't have that $8,000. And that forced you to take action. And that's something I teach my clients where it's like, this is why we're selling a high-ticket offer. Because your clients, uh, when they're paying so little, aren't really going to do it. <laughs> like no, you know, the personal it. trainers I coach. They're like, yeah, your clients don't show up. They don't do the nutrition. They don't do the workouts. They do some of them, not all of them, because you're not charging enough. You need to put that money down. And for anyone listening, like whatever it is that, that you feel stuck in, maybe it's the porn thing, then like hire a coach to help you break yeah. those habits or whatever it is. Because uh, once you put the money down, you're financially bought in and yeah. you're going to do it. And for a lot of people, that's enough skin in the game to really get some behavior change. Like yeah. literally, that's part of the reason my pricing is the way it is. Because like it's going to be hard. There's going to be days where you're not going to want to do the things. But like some people, you know, their financial investment, they take super serious. And like I want to get every penny out of this thing. You know, and I'm, I'm tend to be that way too. If I make an investment, I'm like, I'm in, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, 
we are going to definitely have to have a part two because this okay, was awesome, amazing <laughs> Sweet. conversation. We're, we're, we flew through that. Jeez. Um, okay, Colby, any last, you know, words of wisdom for our audience, you know, any, any piece of advice? Yeah. You know, man, um, I think I want to go down to the core of it. This is, this is what I teach in coaching and the inner game. Um, all the external stuff is really cool, you know, like having a business and, and, you know, uh, doing what you want with your time, but that all starts at the identity level of like who you are and what you believe about yourself. And, um, you know, hopefully you were able in this conversation to pick up, you know, maybe some beliefs that are holding you back about yourself. And I just want you to know you're not stuck. Like you can change that stuff. You can like change the direction of your life and do what you want with your time and do it with cool people. It's totally possible. Uh, I'm living proof of that. Right? I think, um, really grateful for you guys to come out here and couldn't imagine spending a Thursday morning any other way, man. This is yeah. awesome. This yeah, is was, really cool. It was super good having you. Uh, I, I have one more question, actually. What do your most successful clients do? What are some attributes they have? How do they show up? They show up to coaching calls. We'll say that they prioritize the time that we spend together having a conversation, right? So it's not like that's like a low priority for them. They schedule weeks and weeks in advance. So that's a, like one behavior I've noticed. Um, number two is like they're reflective, they like can take feedback, run it through their brain, you know, and like pull out the stuff that I say that makes sense and toss everything else out. Um, and they're cool with failure. Like they fuck up all the time. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Right. And they still get the results, which is really cool. Uh, I just had a conversation yesterday with a guy named Rob. He was my very first uh, client inside of 360 Thrive when I just literally just had this idea of like, I got this idea. I got the steps, I think in the right order. I didn't really know at the time, but I think this is the right thing to the right way to go. And, um, you know, two years later, he's like, dude, I'm hanging out with the exact same body weight. I'm working out regularly. I'm, I'm killing it. I do need some support in this area, though. And so for me, that was really reaffirming to be like, holy shit, I'm onto something. This is really cool. You know, three years into it now, and there's still days where I'm like, is this it? Am I, am I doing it? Is this the thing? You know? So, yeah. Awesome. yeah you know, they show up, man. They show up. They're open. They're open to feedback, and they ask questions, and they're hungry to learn, I would say. Nice. They really want to know. Yeah. They, want to, they don't just want me to give them the step. They want to, like, ask and learn to integrate it with their own beliefs and their own habits, so to speak. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, this is incredible. So, Colby, if, if somebody is listening, this all resonated with them, they're interested in reaching out to you, maybe get some coaching or talk to you more, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, uh, text message, right? You can just shoot me a text. <laughs> yeah, it's 911. 911-522-901. 303-895-5098. You can call me. You can text me. Um, you know, find me on Facebook too. It's where I spend most of my time. Yeah. That's nice. Kobe Paul Knapp. That's me. With a K. You'll see it on the episode. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I just gave out his number. I wow. did not that's, expect that. That's I thought a you were boss move right there. It. Text me. Text me. We'll Beautiful. hang out. Beautiful. And if you're weird, I'm going to block you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm weird. We get along. You have a good weird. A good weird. Yeah. Okay. You don't have the stalker weird vibe. Yeah. <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> you're not really my type. See? Exactly. Awesome. All right. Uh, guys, thanks for coming, tuning in again. This is a really, really good conversation. I enjoyed the hell out of this one. Uh, Taylor, any final words? No. Thanks so much, Colby. Appreciate you coming on. Are these prayer hands? Yes. Or these prayer, prayer hands all around. And we're going to bow too. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're out of here. Until next time. Peace.